All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me. I got Joey here. He is an absolute um, incredible man that I know. I work with him on, on our coaching team. And, but not only that, I've gotten to know Joey a lot uh, when we do meet in person. He's, he, he's a man who, who looks 12, but he, he's got the wisdom of a 60-year-old. Um, he's got a fantastic beard that grows in two seconds or less. Uh, Joey, great to have you here. Uh, for the people who don't know you, you know, what's your name other than Joey? Uh, how many kids you got? For sure, for sure. So my name is Joey Bajeron. I am a client success coach, just like Andres, for an amazing company um, where we help our uh, fit pros make money online. I am a father of two. I've got my um, my main child, Luna, who is two years old. And then I have a child from a previous relationship named Cameron, uh, who is adopted and part of like an amazing family unit. Um, so I have a very unique fatherhood role. Uh, but that's the gist about me. Just a, just a guy who loves helping people and um, navigating fatherhood, you know, in its, in its uh, newness. Dude, how do you say your last name? I've been saying it wrong all my so life. So it's like... It's Bajeron, like Badger. It's like saying Badger, but oh. it's Bajeron. Um, uh, you can say Bergeron. It's totally fine. But if you're in Louisiana, that's how you say it. It's French. Oh, okay. I thought it was Bergeron. Yeah, it can be. That's fine. That's I'm right. sure there's a, there's a German pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you are Gucci Mane's, man. Well, <laughs> tell me, um, I'd like to start off, you know, what is one of your happiest memories of being a dad so far? Ooh. That is tough. So my daughter's two. So obviously there's years of memories that are going in there. Uh, but I think one of the biggest highlights is easily when she came out uh, crying and kicking easily. One of the happiest moments, you know, uh, over the past couple of years in her existence. Um, and I think the second one being, it's hard to, it's hard to equate it to one moment because time just, blurs together it goes so quickly but it goes so slowly at the same time but i would have to say her whenever she was able to walk is the second big moment for, for right now um that i was like ecstatic because it just meant it was also the most terrifying moment because it was like oh man she's no longer hampered by quadrupedal movement now she's getting more independence and autonomy and now she can walk and then she's gonna go to college and oh my god i'm getting so old but yeah, her birth and then her first steps would probably be my top two highlights. That's powerful, man. And, and I kind of just glanced over this, but I love that you're on here because here's the, the reason I'm doing this podcast and stuff. It's really to, my mission is to help dads, you know, repair their relationship with their kids. And one of the ways that I think that would really help foster that is this podcast, just helping get, helping guys just see what it's like to be a dad. Like hear from the dads out there. I, I'm not a dad yet. I'm a dad who wants to be one. And you know, this to me is like just cheat code of just getting that training and learning from the people who are doing it. And I think a big benefit for this is the kids who is it, not just the guys who, who probably need to hear this, like, like the dads who need to hear this. But I think a big benefit also would be the kids who are probably don't, don't have these conversations with dad or maybe dad's not around. Um, I, I think there's a big benefit here. And I love what you mentioned about Luna and I'm curious, like what are, what are like some of the, what is it called? Like what are specific things that you're doing with Luna that maybe is like an upgrade for mm. what you experienced growing up, you know, from, okay. from your dad or your mom? Okay. So I guess to give a little bit of context. So I was the youngest of four growing up in a very chaotic household in Southern Louisiana. Um, an oldest sister and two older brothers. And all of my siblings were a big handful. Uh, my sister ended up having a kid very, very young. Uh, so that my parents took a lot of my parents' attention. My older brother was always butting heads with my dad. He was like the black sheep. He was the rebellious one. And then my other brother, my other older brother has Down syndrome. So that in and of itself comes with its own whole plethora of challenges that my parents had to deal with. So. My relationship with my parents was not super intimate or communicative until a lot later, whenever people graduated and like my siblings moved out of the house. Um, so my, 
So it wasn't like, it wasn't that I was completely and utterly neglected, but it was enough to where I kind of had to figure stuff out on my own. Um, and my relationship with my dad growing up was really rough because he wasn't equipped with the tools to communicate his emotions or how he felt because of his dad. He was the, my dad was the oldest of seven and he had an alcoholic father, an abusive father, physically, mentally, you name it. Um, and so my dad lost his childhood, had to, was forced to grow up really, really quickly, had to jump into jobs. He was the first one who had a business, he was the first one who went into college. Um, he went into Vietnam. Like he, my dad is like this, he was like this big intimidating monolith for a long time for me. And it wasn't until he reached his 50s, 60s that I was able to like really reconnect with him. And now he's like big mush ball. He's this amazing, he's an awesome grandpa. He um, is super down. Like there's times that I can hug my dad now and we don't say any words, but we just cry because we just get it. We know. Um, so that's kind of the context of like what my relationship with my dad was growing up. He was I was kind of terrified of him for a long, long time because he was this big intimidating presence. And it wasn't until over the past maybe 20 years that he kind of was able to take steps and mellow out and understand it and start to unpack his own trauma and burdens. Um, so learning from that, the thing that I'm giving Luna a lot is I'm giving her a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. Um, I was actually talking with our supervisor, our manager about this the other day that mm -hmm being working remote, I think has done wonders for her development because I'm always around to help give her additional stimulation and conversation. Um, we read to her constantly. Uh, I am always breaking things down for her. Anytime she has a question, no matter how many times she answers. Um, I think those are kind of the biggest upgrades is just like, I try to make sure that my communication is always very clear, especially whenever I make mistakes. I'm a fairly patient guy, but sometimes after a long day's work, your kid is screaming at you. You're trying to like <laughs> squeeze a little bit and you snap a little bit and maybe you, you yell or you, you know, you up level your voice in a way that you didn't really mean to, you know, I'll immediately be like, I'll get down there, get on her level, look at her in the eyes and be like, Hey, look, so daddy's had a long day. I did not mean to yell at you. That was daddy's fault. He's working on his patience right now. Um, and you know, you do, you, you know, this is not on you. This is on me. Even though she's two, I still speak to her like that, even though she's two, you know, we hug it out and we do stuff like that. So I think the biggest thing I'm doing for Luna that I think the previous generations, the boomers especially didn't do for us is just complete and utterly open communication from the get go, from her being two all the way until she's 18. Because I feel actually, I know that whenever you start to lay down these hard boundaries of communication of like, don't talk to me about that. I don't want to know. That's where things can get sneaky. That's where kids hide things from their parents. That's where dangerous things will happen because there's no trust established there. And I want to avoid that for Luna at all costs. I don't want her to ever feel that she can't come to me when she has a question or her mom when she has a question or a problem. So that's I love the biggest that. thing. Yeah, I love it because there's um, the other people that I've interviewed right before you, they both said, one of the most valuable things that they've done, the proudest moments for them was giving that time to their kids. Like, you know, kids don't spell love, L-O-V-E. They spell it T-I-M-E. And I'm very curious, like, so, so I haven't seen that in, in my experience with like, you know, with kids and stuff. Like, how does Luna react? So let, like you yell, like she's crying, you yell. She's probably feeling worse. You tell her, you speak to her, what, what happens next? So typically what I'll do is we, we practice mindfulness. We have a, a mindfulness book that we've been mm -hmm. reading to her since she was even younger than she is now. And mm -hmm. part of that is breathing, getting her centered. I'll be like, come on, breathe with daddy. Like, let's breathe together. <sighs> to kind of just like get all that heightened energy back here so she can hear me and understand me to the best of her ability with her beautiful little frontal cortex. Mm -hmm. um, we get her centered and then I break down like, hey, daddy is sorry for yelling. He, he is tired and frustrated from the day and that is not your fault and he is sorry. Um, and, and that's how we'll do it. I'll check in and make sure she's calm. I'll be like, hey, can I get you 
water, milk, juice box, snack, whatever it is to kind of help seal the deal. Um, give her a nice big hug and then we kind of move on. But that's typically how it'll go. I try to avoid it. It's, it's, it's inevitable for parents, mm -hmm. to be honest, yeah. no matter how mindful you are, no matter how up-leveled your communication is, it's just you only have so much emotional bandwidth for like your partner, your job, your clients, everyone. And then this beautiful little very needy being is yelling at you and you're like, it's like hitting a specific nerve in your brain and you're just like, I need peace. So when that inevitably happens, I think the, the important step is to get recentered, to clarify the intention and then to walk away with something stealing the deal. You know, that's what we do at least. Yeah. I love, how does she show up? Like what happens after that? How is she after that? She's, she's good, still honestly. She's really she. Yeah, it's nice. I, I I might be the exception to the rule. My my kid is pretty intuitive and sharp, um, and maybe everyone thinks their kid is, but I can t see her processing it in a moment of like when she's crying, when she's breathing, and I'll be like, "Is there anything, Daddy, can get you? Do you want a snack?" And she'll go, "Mm hmm, mm hmm." I get her the snack. I hug it out, and then. Um, we might cuddle on the couch and watch like some Mickey, some Disney, something, and then we'll, we'll comment on it and we'll have that good little bonding time afterwards. Um, and then she's good. There's no, she's not, because I know like it's, it's impossible to like not create cycles with your kids, but or patterns, but she hasn't, we haven't gotten to the point where she's like triggered or like lives in fear of me or anything like that. Like we're still, we're still here. Nice. So, so, Basically, she's she's chilled. Yeah, she's good. Back to she's know, like, like, you know what? I don't need to be yelling, and I'm good now. Yeah. It's so interesting because I haven't done the mindfulness, mindfulness, at least with kids, and that to me is just so powerful just to hear that from you. Because uh, again, like I said, like you're one of the first, you're the first man, man I've ever heard to do that. Um, so that's so interesting. And well, I'm curious, like, what is it? Uh, how was it that your parents raised you that you're doing with your kid that you love and you know what, I'm going to do this too. I think the things like, so just to clarify the question, it's like, what are the good things that I can take from my parentage that they instilled within me that I want to continue to pass along? Is that the question? Uh, maybe not so much instilled in you, but how was their parenting? Uh, like, what is it that you liked about their parenting that you are modeling for your kids? So I, I was closer to my mom growing up. So me and her were, were fairly close. Uh, the thing I think that she did for me is she nurtured my interests regularly. Um, I was big into dinosaurs and biology and entomology, ichthyology, all the sciences. Like I loved that kind of stuff. I was this little sponge as a kid. And regularly she would take me to zoos, museums. There was like a teacher supply store called JNRs in Lafayette that we would go and we would get some of those um, very realistic. They were made a lot differently. I actually have some somewhere in this house, but we'd get these little dinosaur figures that were made by a company called Safari. And um, I had like an awesome collection that she would like reward. So one of the biggest things I want to do for Luna is when she gets old enough to have like a type of interest, like right now it's stuffed animals and dinosaurs and, um, and just being active. But when she starts to get more of that focus, I want to be able to, as a parent, step in and be like, what, Hey, let's make an event out of it. Let's, let's nurture that thing that you want to do. Let's nurture that, um, that, that hobby or excitement, that sport, whatever it is, even if it's something I'm unfamiliar with, like if she's in gymnastics or something, that's completely new territory for me. Mm -hmm. I want to be like, I'm going to start learning, you know, I'm going to see what the best practices for gymnastic parents, how to, you know, give your kid proper nutrition for gymnastics and just like go all in. So I think, that I, from my mom, I, I want to, I want to pass that down to her that just like that nurture, nurture the spirit child, the, the loves, the hobbies. And then I think for my dad, it would be, even though I was intimidated by him as a kid, he always communicated how protected I was. He always made a very big point of like, Hey, if anything happens, your dad is a third degree black belt. 
He is a, you know, Vietnam vet. He collects guns and bullets. So there's nothing that can happen to our family that I'm not prepared for. So I was always secure with my dad. I always felt very, very protected. I felt like if there was like a, my dad could beat up your dad kind of moment, like my dad would win. Um, and that gave me some, some level of peace as a kid. So for my mom, it would be nurture the hobbies and loves from a very young age regularly regularly and then for my dad it would be able to say like hey you are safe everything is okay there's nothing that your dad can't handle like when it comes to like protection or emergency i love it and i wanted to go back to that question from a different perspective okay. too in the sense that you mentioned at 11 like your dad kind of flipped the switch and he made a decision to show up for you in a different way would you say there's anything since that age so maybe not early childhood but maybe since 11 that you're modeling from your dad too it sounds like some of that is, is showing up in the mindfulness but i'm curious if there's anything there for my dad the thing that he just passed down was work ethic pure hard ass can we curse on this i'm sorry if you're cursing but he was okay okay uh, I'll, I'll keep it limited but essentially just because he was born from a poor family in the country in louisiana he very it was very much get it done or starve it was like get it done or that's it you know you need to feed everybody kind of mentality so he instilled a big work ethic within me i never slacked off at work ever i always put like 110 percent at any job that i had so i think in that way was like a, a way that he kind of up leveled where he was just like look i'm going to teach you how to become resilient you know, um, in this particular way, whether it's physically, mentally, because he always had a phrase that he would tell me, which is like, if, you, if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough, you know, which was like shorthand for like life sucks sometimes and you're not going to know everything. So you need to, be, need to be ready to be hit across the face unexpectedly. So I think whenever my dad started to lean in a little bit more, work ethic was a big thing, big thing that he taught. Love it, man. If you were to go back in time, what would you do the same as a dad? If I could, what would I do the same? Oh, I mean, that's an easy question. I mean, I would, it, it, I mean, I would stay remote. I would not try to get another job. I would be, I would remain available and lean in in the way that I did. I mean, that stuff I would keep. I would keep my level of communication and involvement just as high as it was. I wouldn't, I, I was pretty good at that at a certain point. Um, now, if the question is if I wanted to go back in time and do something different, there's a lot, I got a much bigger answer for that. But, you know, with, with Luna being on this earth two years, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have too many regrets or things that, I would change. It's just, I, for me, it would be a timeline adjustment. That's what I would change. So I don't know if you answered it, but that was my next question. What would you do differently? If you're going to pick one thing. So, I, so what I would do the same is show up, period. I would just show up physically there the same for her. You know, um, what I would do differently is I would, with the knowledge I have now, is I would show up sooner. Um, this is where we're, we can get a little vulnerable on this, on this podcast, but it took me months to get like fully connected to Luna months. We're talking like six, seven, eight months, almost to where she was almost a year before I felt really connected to her on a very deep level. I don't think this gets talked about a lot because there's a lot of shame around that. Um, <clears throat> but like, I knew that I loved her as a, as a being, as my daughter, but there was still a part of me that was just kind of like, you're a little fleshy scream bag and you cry all the time and you make my wife tired and exhausted all the time. And I'm like, <sighs> like you get frustrated and being lost in my head that way prevented me from leaning in as much as I did, as much as I should have. I, because I didn't have enough context or I wasn't taught like how much to lean in, what I thought was like, okay, was actually a more of a minimum baseline. Um, so the thing I would do, do differently is I would increase how soon I show up. I would 
create and implement more empathy for my partner. Um, parenthood during COVID was hard, especially we were isolated in San Antonio at the time. So it's not an excuse, but this is just to give context. We had a lot of stuff mentally going, like no support system with the new baby that was close in a new city that is completely under lockdown in an unfamiliar neighborhood in a house that was constantly going, something big was going wrong, plumbing issues, AC went out at one point when Kara was pregnant. Like it was just like a lot. It was one thing after the other. So when Luna ended up being born, there was no time for me to kind of recover mentally. Like there was no break. And because there was no break, it took me months to show up in the way that I should have, which put strain on Kara and I's relationship. So the thing I would do differently is if I had the same mentality and, and knowledge I have now, it would be to go, okay, we need to show up for her quick, more quickly and sooner. You need to be able to compartmentalize how you're feeling, maybe seek third-party help, virtual therapy, whatever it is, to help you process more efficiently. And uh, that's, that's the main thing. That's like my biggest regret is that it took me so long. But as soon as she was able to interact with me and like be more autonomous and become more of an individual and less of like a bunch of nerves and screams, then I like was all in with Luna. I was like, now she, she runs up to me whenever I pick her up from daycare. I just squeeze her so tightly. Um, I love that kid with every piece of my being, but it took me longer than I am proud of um, to get that way. Thank you for showing up in that way. And there's a question I want to ask that I'm a little hesitant to ask. Ooh. And so I'd love your permission to do this. Okay. Uh, or, or at least ask it. I'm ready. I'm thinking not only about you, but I'm also thinking about the person who may be in this situation in their own life. And I'm curious if maybe your experience with Luna maybe has something uh, with your experience with Cameron. Ah, okay. Oh, so, so what's the question? What do you want to know in particular? Well, do you feel like, again, I just, I don't know anything about Cameron or Luna until everything that you've mentioned so far. Okay. So I'm curious if maybe your experience, like it sounded in the beginning, Cameron was put up for adoption. Is that right? So, so this is what happened. So to, to make a long story short, um, I was really young. I was like 20, 21, whenever, uh, whenever Cameron was conceived, he and his mother and I did not he his mother and I did not see eye to eye. There was an idea of how I wanted to show up or what I thought was the right way to show up. Um, and it just, it kept missing. We kept misaligning. Our relationship was not great. Um, then her, Cameron's now stepdad popped into the picture. He became a more prominent uh, figure, father figure to where, you know, whenever I would pick up Cameron, I was like, you know, he would call me by my first name, which was really hard for me at the time to like, cause I wanted to be dad. I want to show up in like this very specific way that I was never going to be able to. So what ended up happening was, I think it's maybe four years ago, maybe five years ago now, um, I finally made it official and signed the paperwork to uh, relinquish my parental rights. So that way he could be then immediately be adopted into uh, under Julian and his mother. Um, so like, obviously it was gut-wrenching and soul-wrenching at the time, but I knew it was the right move. I knew it was the right move to, to do. So I don't regret that, that decision at all. Um, but I guess to kind of answer your question, what I think the question is, is like, did that kind of more traumatic experience build up resistance towards this new one? Probably. Um, probably because like, luckily Kara and I had a much better communication level and cadence and we were much more aligned. We had been dating much longer than, um, mm -hmm. Cameron's mother and I had been dating. And, and even though, uh, Luna was a surprise, just like Cameron was, um, I felt better about going into diving into parenthood with her. But uh, yeah, now that you're mentioning it, now that I'm kind of going, going over it, I think that previous traumatic experience with parenthood, like made me want to protect myself for as long as I could, um, in case everything fell through 
for some reason or another. That would be like a, some, a big, big fear of mine at the time. And, and thank you for showing up in this way. Cause I, I can't imagine, I have no idea what it's like to, to experience, like talk about this. So again, you do, do you tell me if this is not where you want to go? Uh, you tell me you have full control here. No, uh, this is something that there are going to be dads who are going to be in situations like this. This is not going to be uncommon. This is not rare. Mm-hmm. I wish that I could have heard someone talk about this candidly whenever I was first, whenever it was happening to me at the time to give me advice on what the next steps were going to be, to have the big hard talks with me on what possible futures might be, how they might not be how you plan and it's okay, how things do end up working out eventually, but it's going to be hard. And this wound may never close, but it's going to, it's going to, it's going to still start healing, you know? Um, so that's why like we can dive in as deep as you want to with this. I, I, I want to show up if, if a dad hears this, and they're able to not feel alone and isolated, then, then it's fine. You know, it's worth it. I, I commend you for that. And one question that stems from that is, this is the 31-year-old version of you. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, you had Cameron. Mm-hmm. So, and you said Luna's uh, two or about to be two? She's two. She turned She's two in two. August. So probably, what, seven years between mm-hmm. both kids. Yeah. What does the 31-year-old Joey want to tell the 21 year old Joey? Ooh, <laughs> okay, okay. Um, all right, all right. I would say, I would say, hey, hey Joey, um, your idea of what you're worth is really twisted right now. Your value is more than what you can give other people in the form of gifts, money, or even sex. Um, you need to start working on that right now, ASAP. You need to start kind of really diving in and asking yourself the hard questions that you've been putting off for a long time. Um, stop avoiding the spotlight of your genius because it's not gonna, you can't escape it, you can't run from it. Um, get really comfortable with being wrong and letting go because this isn't going to be the first time you're going to have to let go of unrealistic, dramatic expectations that you formulated because, you know, you're a wonderful, beautiful, dramatic kid with like a stint um, with a flair for theatrics. Um, You have a wonderful, beautiful heart. And I know the way you want to show up right now but you need to, there's some hard decisions you need to make sooner rather than later. And you can't afford to be super indecisive. You can't afford to not pay attention to yourself. Um, and you also need to, you need to up-level your communication with, your, with, with, um, with Cameron's mom. Uh, significantly and get comfortable with that discomfort because it's that bad communication that's going to create much bigger problems for you later. Um, You know, don't worry. You're going to be fine and you're going to end up being an excellent communicator and you're going to end up knowing exactly who you are and how you want to show up in relationships. Um, But don't give up, even though this, like you're going to, this is going to be one of the hardest things you ever go through but you're going to make, make, make it through and you're going to be resilient. Um, yeah, that would be my main things. That would be what I tell 21 year old Joey. What do you think 21 year old Joey would say to 31 year old Joey after meeting him? Probably what the hell, man. He'd probably be like, so like, what do you do now? How did you get there? How many times did you fail how do I end up at a better position than you? Um, is it worth it? Like, is all of this worth it? Should I pull out now to avoid all this heartache and pain that I'm feeling? Um, you know, you look a little tired. Your mustache is great. I'm glad that I can grow that at 31. Uh, but like, you know, you know, I'll, I guess I'll try. I'll do my best. You know, because 21-year-old me would not be supremely confident 
but he would be inquisitive and wondering, how can I be better? How can I make this round better? How can I, how can I take the path of least resistance and most growth? He would want to optimize. Um, yeah, that's where, that's where he would be. Dude, I love that. Uh, thank you for showing up so powerfully and let's, let's flip some things up, man. What is like, what is your proudest moment as a dad? I've heard the answer to this so differently from so many different men. I'm curious for you, you're, you're younger, you're 31, you're, you're a year older than me. You got some, ex some experience under you. So what would you say mm -hmm. is your proudest moment so far? So far. Hmm. Oh man, that's so tough. I would have to say the proudest moment I've had as a dad is like right now it's it's hard again it's hard to do it in moments but it's every time that I can sit down and talk to my daughter and have like an actual exchange and I can tell that she knows that she's heard and we can go through like this full we can go through a full exchange of conversation even as basic as it is at two she still knows like, okay, daddy, like, thanks. Like, yeah, okay, mm -hmm. that is my favorite. Like she's able to see like our communication come to fruition. Um, like that, those are my proudest moments right now. They're, they're a series of moments. It's, it's every time I can, I can just like ask my daughter questions and she's so happy to answer every time that we can, I can, I can solve a problem for her and she can show gratitude, even though I don't do it for the gratitude. It's just seeing that exchange of energy. It's so beautiful seeing how that is only going to multiply times infinity as they get older, the, the, the context they're going to get, the way that they communicate that is only going to get more specific and more intentional, um, which I look forward to, but yeah, it's for me, the, my proudest moments are the times that we sit down and we're just talking. I'm rocking her, or we're watching something, or we're eating at the dinner table, or I'm picking her up from daycare and I'm asking her how, what she did today. And she tells me who she played with and if she had fun and what she wants to do tomorrow and what she wants to eat when we get home. Um, it's in those exchanges that I am proudest of what I have incepted into the world. On the flip side of that, what would you say is your biggest regret? I think my biggest regret is not actually my biggest regret regret is not creating or putting more effort towards like creating another or finding a community of dads that are like me. I'm still in the process of doing it. But dads that are a little bit more radical with the way they want to raise their children, dads that aren't afraid to cry, dads that aren't afraid to paint their nails, dads that, you know, are comfortable in their masculinity. Um, I regret not putting more energy sooner into creating that or finding that because having that kind of support system earlier would have made all the difference in the world if I had just had like one dad who was where I was at to be like, hey, you're not crazy. I felt this way too the same, at the same time. Um, and here's how we can kind of go through it. You're, you're not insane. You're not a bad dad. This is how it is. So that I think is my biggest regret. Yeah, that is something that, again, I want to touch on because again, like you're the first dad I've spoken to that like, like mindfulness. I know, like, yeah, bring it to kids. I had no, not even a, an inkling of doing that. And I'm curious, like, has there ever been any like other dads like judging you? Like, I don't know if maybe your dad or maybe some dads around you, some other men or even women just like judging how you're raising Luna. I would say there's definitely older parents and grandparents mainly that do it because we are big fans of the gentle parenting method. Not don't get it twisted. It is not the permissive parenting method. We don't let her do whatever she wants, but we break everything down for her. You know, mm -hmm. we, we don't, we, we, we don't yell more like 90% of the time. We're not a big yell fan. We're not a yell family. We don't spank. Um, we don't do like physical discipline or like emotional abuse. Like we don't try to do, make them feel bad. Like none of that. Um, 
So whenever she acts out, especially because it happens, kids do that. They're like, she needs to behave. She needs to do this. And I'm like, I'm not going to like do anything. I'm going to let her work this out. I'll be here to support, but she's, she's going through it right now. You know, she's literally, her body is changing so much every day. It's like painful. She's getting new teeth. Her cells are changing. Her organs are shifting. Like if that was happening to you, you'd be cranky too. And the biggest thing I'll get is from parents when it, when it comes to discipline, they'll go, oh, gosh. You're gonna let your kids walk all over you. Oh, I would never do that for my kids. Oh, just wait till they're older and they're gonna they're gonna take so much advantage of you. They're gonna rebel. And I'm like, the thing is, if I don't create, if I'm not creating these super astringent, hard, hard rules, what is she gonna have to rebel against? If we are able to talk about sex and drugs and all the hard topics that parents shy away from, if we're open about that in the house, why would she even feel that she needs to hide it? You know, so the biggest judgments I get from other parents is specifically around the kind of openness and communication that we're striving for. And then the way that we don't physically or emotionally abuse or discipline our child. Um, that's the biggest backlash that I get. Most of the time, people are pretty chill. Most parents get it, but you'll still get parents. And this typically comes from parents that are raised, especially in the South, especially a little bit more conservatively, that they're just like, I don't understand how. I got spanked and I'm fine. And when I hear that, it, I automatically am like, you're definitely not fine. You just haven't had taken the time to unpack all that. You know, I was spanked as a kid. It did not help me not rebel. I rebelled even harder when I had harder rules. Um, I resented my parents more because of that physicality. Um, you know, sometimes my dad would get even a little extra physical, nothing crazy, but he used to do this thing where he would take two fingers, two very hard well-worked taekwondo fingers and he would just bop right in the chest he would do this thing to kind of challenge and like you know make me submit essentially if i was feeling froggy and that kind of shit has stuck with me and like for years you know and i don't want to create those kinds of cycles like when when i want kids minds to be blown when they go so like your parents don't like what do they do do they ground you do they spank you like what do they do and she goes we talk it out yeah like there's times my phone gets taken away or you know a certain privilege is revoked but that's kind of it I mean I'm not really that bad I, I don't do bad things like we talk about everything that's what I strive for so yeah long story short to answer your question discipline and our level of communication with our kid and you mentioned some of it like with your experience and I'm guessing um, with your wife's experience too, like, w was this a lot, like your decision to show up this way for you as a parent, as a dad, mm -hmm. was it because of that? And again, yes. you're a coach. So, so there's a lot of stuff that, you know, like, did you see other people who were like, Oh man, this, this is working out pretty well for you. Yeah. It was just, I kept seeing more data coming around this stuff around mm -hmm. like how, Oh, actually this is what happens when you hit your kids. Even when you spank them, here's what happens when you do timeouts. Here's like, I just kept seeing date, so much raw data about mm -hmm. how dis, how many disadvantages come with that kind of level of discipline. And I already didn't want to do that anyway. I didn't want to be the spanker. I didn't want to be the iron fist. I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be the belt. I hate that. I hated that as a kid. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to become this I didn't want my, my daughter to see me as like the executioner and neither does Kara. That's why we try to stay as aligned as possible when it comes to like discipline and communication, but we don't want to be that. You know, when I ask myself, what, what's my role as a dad? I go, I want to make sure my daughter is empowered, acknowledged, seen, validated, comfortable, safe. It's not, I want to be the executioner, the jury and the judge of my daughter. That is not my role. If you want to be that, then there's there's something misaligned with why you're parenting. Parenting is not to exude, exude same thing with teaching or even coaching. It's not to, you're, I'm not trying to exude power over you. I'm not trying to control you just because you're a lesser being or you're dumber than me or whatever. Um, I want you to be safe. I'm still gonna have guidelines, but I'm not doing this as a power move because I felt weak. I'm doing this mm -hmm. to protect you. And the best way that I've seen with the data is through communication, gentle parenting, um, and kids just end up being more well-rounded. I'm seeing even kids that are Gen Z coming up that have had parents that submitted to this idea. 
that have adhered to this idea that go, oh yeah, yeah, I'm chill. Grades are good. Um, I don't get grounded ever because we talk about everything and I've never rebelled against my parents because there's nothing to rebel against because we talk about everything. So all that just kind of like solidified me, us, Kara and I both doing this. Um, also, she's a teacher. So she's very aware of development and developmental mm -hmm. psychology because of that, especially in like teens, preteens, she teaches teens, you know? So she's hyper aware of how, chaotic it can be growing up so as a parent you don't want to add to the chaos with your own emotional um like in a, inability to communicate your your emotions you know you don't want to add that they already have that so that's why that's that's what kind of reinforced it for me do so i know you you have some older siblings uh do uh does Kara have any siblings and uh, she has any one of adopted she has one adopted sister they're both adopted um but she has one older sister that has two kids now so for her and even i don't know if your older siblings have kids too mm -hmm, would, all of them, yeah. what would you say their parenting style is, at least for your siblings how you know like they grew up too jeremy aligns my, my oldest brother he aligns i would say more with me very much more into, I think he dives even deeper into the spiritual aspect of it. Very much like meditation yoga that he does with his, with, um, with my niece. Um, but he's also a big practitioner of mindfulness. He's been in the business and self-development world for a long time. So he's not, it's not new for him. And also he had a, a, a not great relationship with our dad growing up. So I think that was an even bigger motivator for him. Um, but he and I are fairly aligned in the way that we parent um, with very minimal, minimal differences. My sister, however, is in the middle of kind of a, her own parental transition. She was very old school, more conservative whenever my nephews and nieces were younger. And now more recently, as she's opening up her own journey and, um, and releasing her child traumas, she is getting more and more to like kind of our side of things of communicating more emotionally, being more open and available, realizing what's an unrealistic expectation that you're uh, setting for your kids as opposed to what they need. Um, not what you want, but what they need. So we're, I think we're all kind of leaning into this, um, but my sister was the only one who was a little bit more different, a little bit more traditional in her parenting style. And I mean, again, like, I can't interview her through your, your experience. Right. But I'm curious, what have you seen just from the objective side, the bird's eye view of how do you see, like, at least on the outside, knowing what you know, that experience with the kids and, and, and her, with her kids and her? Oh, like, like how she interacts with her kids? Yeah. How do you see them kind of, like, how do you see them experiencing this transition? Do you see, like, it's favorable? Uh, do you see, like... Like, how, how do you see that? It's definitely a process. So her ex-husband now, um, he was not, you know, dad's, right? Uh, was not emotionally available. Did kind of really messed up my nephew mentally. Um, did not know how to communicate well. And since my, my sister has done this transition, though, um, I think it's... The time, as, as, as bad as it sounds, like the timing couldn't have been better because as they're, I think they're 12 and eight or yeah, 12 and eight are my nieces. Um, they're becoming more and more kind of aware of everything of like context and how things work. And now that my sister is becoming more open, there is a bit more comfort between their exchanges. What used to be more fearful or like they were more in the dark about everything. Now everything is in the light. Um, so from the outside view, from what I can see, the timing is working out really well. The shift is working out a lot better than it was before. And it's only going to get better as my sister continues on her own journey and continues to be open with her communication and a lot more gentle of a parent than she was. I love it, man. And a few questions I like to ask everyone is what is the, for the new dad on the block, what is mm -hmm. one piece of advice that you have for him? Okay. Number one, if you think you're doing enough, you're not do more. Absolutely. Number one, you think that you're like, Oh man, I'm the super dad. I'm doing all this stuff. It's the bare minimum. Absolutely. Do more, do more, do more, do more. Um, that's number one. Uh, number two, this is not about you. 
your time will come as a dad for you to show up and shine. But especially in the beginning, this is not the dad show. This is not about you proving anything. You are there to be a pillar for your partner. You are there to hear them, to validate them, to help them, uh, especially you know, for the dads who are dealing with uh, rougher pregnancies or rougher recur recovery times, more complex pregnancies. It can be a lot. Understand that it's not about you and it's not about like you losing attention or the spotlight on yourself. It's about your partner and your kid and you need to swallow that ego, swallow that pride, at least temporarily. So that way you can make it through this season, this first season, this, especially for the new dads um, earlier, because, you know, you're going from an independent person who's like the master of your own universe to all of that completely going out of the window. Um, so yeah, number one, if you're doing, if you think you're doing enough, you're not do more. Number two, it is not, the, is not your, you're not the main character of your story right now. You are the supporting character and you need to do exactly that support main two. For the dad who probably sees his kid every other weekend or mm -hmm. doesn't have any doesn't have full custody or, or even the dad who, you know, probably lives away from his kid, mm -hmm. like maybe in another state or another country. What is, what is something that you want to tell him? Just like with anything in life, right? Anything. Consistency is key. Consistency is key. We have the technology now, especially that even if you don't see them every other week, you can FaceTime them every week. You um, do your darndest to have a good relationship with the mom. Let go of that resentment now. Let go of seeing whatever light you see, whatever flaws she may have. She may be a garbage communicator. You're not going to be. Whatever that story is, I don't care. Neither does your kid and it's not their problem. You need to let that ish go and utilize technology and all these other resources you have to be the most consistent, awesome dad that you can be. When you get off on a Friday night, schedule that call until you see them next on the following weekend. Talk about them, be inquisitive about their day and just above absolutely everything, be consistent. The moment you drop off, actions speak louder than words. Your kid, that is the stuff that will mess up your kid for life. And as, a, as the loving dad that I know you want to be, you cannot afford to not be consistent. And, and I don't mean that like if you miss one day of FaceTime that you're a bad dad, right? Things happen, we get it. But I'm talking in the grand scheme of things, right? It's all about that majority of you showing up. You want your kid to be able to say, well, yeah, my dad showed up more than he did. That's all you can do. Um, and also understand that like, there is no shame in being in like a separated family unit. It is very, very common. You are not a bad dad because you're separated. You're not a bad dad because you're paying child support. You're not a bad dad because you only get them, you only have joint custody or part-time custody. That's just how our legal system works. That's what we need, your, the kid needs for consistency. And it's not a judgment on you. So stop beating yourself up about that. That's what I would tell it to the tell to those dads. Love it, man. And this is so this right here, this is not for me. This is not for anyone else listening except for two people. What is something that you want to tell Luna and Cameron? Ooh, okay. Luna's easy. Um, Luna, I I love you so much with every fiber of my being. I, I, I'm not religious, but I pray for your success every stinking day. Um, you cannot do wrong in my eyes. There's nothing you can do that is ever going to separate me from you as your father. There's no decision you can make. There's no choice you can make that would become a rift so deep that I wouldn't want to support you regardless. And I love you. 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 Um, so that would be what I would tell my Luna, my little Lulu. And then what I would tell Cameron, this is going to be, oh, oh, oh. so Cameron, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that your dad 
me, your bio dad, your sperm donor, whatever your label is for me currently. I'm sorry that I was ill-equipped and I didn't show up for the way that I needed to for you sooner, for your mom. I was young, I didn't know any better, and, and I am, and it's one of the bigger regrets, biggest regrets that I have. Um, and I, I, I wish I had gotten more tools. I wish I had dove in deep. I wish I had become, I was more resilient. Um, and our relationship would probably be better than it, it is now. <clears throat> it probably exist. Um, that being said, I'm not sorry that I helped bring you into this world. I am thankful for you every day. I can't wait for you to meet your half sister one day because that's going to be beautiful. And I'm excited for you to ask me any questions that you have. Know that I love you. Even though that maybe the next time you see me, I will be a stranger. I will still love you. Um, and I hope that we can continue to communicate once this starts. Um, I love you so much. I hope your mom is doing well. I hope, I hope, I know Julian and, the, and, and her are, are treating you right and you're growing up so strong and I'm super proud of you. And I'm excited to be more specifically proud of you once I get to know you better. And that's what I would tell Cameron. Joey, thank you so much. Thank you for showing up how you showed up. This is again, like I mentioned in the beginning, there are people, and I say this to everyone, there are people who are going to listen to this and we are not going to know that they are going to be impacted in the way that, 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 that serving them in the time. And I think you showing up as authentic as you showed up today, as real as you showed up. Um, thank you for playing full out with me. I know some of these questions just <laughs> are, are pretty hard, but I'm glad that we got to speak, not just because I get to know you a little bit more, uh, not only as a, as a dad, but as a man. And I think there's a lot of fathers out there and there are a lot of kids out there who are listening to this that are really grateful for how you showed up today. So thank you, brother. Of course, man. Yeah, dude, this is a journey and it's a hard one. And the least that we can, the least that I can do for my fellow dads, my fellow dads out there who are struggling is like, give them any and all knowledge that I have. I want them to do as well. I want everyone to show up as the best parent that they can be. So that way this next generation can implement the changes that they want, that they can. It all starts with us. So yeah, I'm happy to be a part of this, man. And I super, thank you so much for inviting me.